Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. So, holiness has been the series that we are on. Today we're going to talk about living salty. Okay, we're going to live salty. And, um, and I, believe that, I believe that we are called... This year is a year where we are going to take territory from the enemy through synergy. Now, what that means is that when we come together, we do far more than we can do on our own. Would you agree? Like, like uh, we've got a fiercely independent spirit over this region. <laughs> so let me just do it my way, by myself, leave me alone. And we just say, no. That is not what God has intended. That is not for the body of Christ. So we believe as a leadership, we prayed all through the fall. And uh, we felt like, you know, we're going to take territory here through synergy. By by combining some elements to produce something of greater effect and greater impact. Do you like my shirt? Yeah. Yeah. Don't do what makes you happy. Do what makes you holy. Right? Because, Because you actually don't know what happy is until you become holy. You really don't. You really don't. So um, my friend Janine Shepard, get me this. She got it. And I'm like, she showed it to me. I was like, Janine, I like, that's a great shirt. I'm doing a series on holiness. She's like, I'll hook you up. I said, amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, um, I believe that a group of holy people will change the region. A group, I'm going to say it again, a group of holy people will change the region. It means that God is removing compromise from our lives. Holy, set apart. So we've, we've had some conversations about this holiness, right? It is being set apart for God's divine will and purposes. We are to live holy through the spirit of God. Right? The Holy Spirit inside of us empowers holy living. You can try really hard and try to willpower your way to holy. It don't work. That's, that, that's an eventual, I'm fried, I'm burnt out, or you flat out crash and burn. Because you don't have the ability to be holy apart from Jesus Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit. You just don't get that privilege. But he made a way. Amen? He made a way. And so the Holy Spirit also wants to rest on you and to remain on you so that you are empowered for miraculous living. You you don't, like, one of the fruit of holiness is that the Spirit rests on you. That's a cool thing. I mean, it's so rested on Peter that he just is walking by people and they're getting healed by the shadow. That's crazy good. That's crazy good. Um, The other one is that the body of Christ should look completely different from the world that we live in. You know, we're empowered to live differently than the world around us. That was a great place to say amen. We are empowered to live differently than the world around us. Would you agree? 
Oh, good. There it is. All right. See, unfortunately, the statistics show that there is not much difference between the church and the world. The statistics say otherwise. The statistics on pornography addiction, the statistics on divorce, alcoholism, and domestic violence and abuse rates don't differ much between the church and the world. Lord, help us. May it not be so among us. May it not be so among us. I, I, was, I have a counselor that I meet with just because I'm smart. Um, I, I, I'm an external processor and my wife can only take so much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I was in a counseling appointment. We were talking about um, this. Pro- he's a Christian counselor, amazing man of God. And uh, we were talking about um, this process of helping people get through addiction, right? And dealing with dealing with addiction. And I was talking about, yeah, it was funny. You know, Barna, it's like one out of five, <clears throat> was it? Uh, no, one out of four pastors will admit on some form of paper will actually admit that they're addicted to pornography. One, one out of four, I think. And he started laughing hysterically, like laugh out loud, like, what, like, are you serious? He's like, well, I would venture to say it's closer to 65 to 80% of pastors. I was sharing that with our regional overseer, Bishop Pat Wright, um, who we just adore and love. He's amazing. Him and Jan are just special people. And, um, <laughs> and um, he kind of shook his head. And I said, so, so I, I said, if revival broke out in our churches, Bishop, and we, um, we lost 80% of our pastors in a week for moral failure, what would we do? That's right. right? And, and do we have a way to facilitate that? Yeah. Right? Because otherwise it's just, you know, it's just chaos. Right, you can step up, but if there's no clarity, like what are you going to do? Um, and um, so it was very interesting conversation. I just Meek and I talked with them on Friday, and um, just spent some time on the phone with them. You know, about forty minutes, just talking and praying. And um, you know, one of the things that that hit me in that process is we forgot to preach holiness in our churches. And um, we've got a great gospel because God is good and there is grace, a beautiful grace. And yet we have forgotten the cost of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so um, that's part of why we're doing this series. But I'm encouraged because um, revival is coming to the region and revival is coming here. What that means is when the presence of God shows up, everything changes. When the presence, so, so what is revival? Revival is the manifest presence of God moving through the people. So when that happens, you don't have, like when the manifest presence of God is there, you're not thinking about the unholy and the defiling things. He's here. It purifies. It just causes things to go differently. So can will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the Father to bring revival because we need revival. We need revival. We, you know, so many people struggle 
with their addiction, but we just need a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit that brings revival. His manifest presence that makes you so consumed with Him that you are no longer concerned with your flesh. So, Heavenly Father, bring revival. Holy Spirit, come. We don't just say, fill us or come and, and have your way in us and through us. God, don't just, we don't just give you the room. We just say, have it all. We give you the whole place. We give you this region to come and have your way. Come and work in power and might. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for coming into agreement. Will you just say, I agree? I agree. Amen. Where two or three gather and they agree on any one thing that we ask, it is done. So, come revival. Um, All right. Now, one of the things I'll say, if if the only benefit of being a believer in Christ is a ticket to heaven and an appeased conscience because of a sloppy grace that's been preached and it requires nothing of us, we might as well stay home and not claim Christ Um, because that's not how it's supposed to go. We must recognize that the gift of grace is free. It is a free gift. We don't earn it. We don't have to perform for it. We receive the forgiveness and the mercy of God. And when we receive the mercy of God, he asks for us to give ourselves completely to him. He doesn't say, well, just give me your bad stuff and I'll take the bad and just, you can figure out how to do the rest of the good. It's not how it goes. It's not how it goes. And, and, um, Matthew 16 is one of my favorite chapters because you see so many different things happening in Matthew 16. This is where we get the divine revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter has the revelation and he's like, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And, you know, we've, we know that Jesus gives some amazing instructions to his disciples at that point. And it is, and is this, this passage just a little bit just a little bit later, he says this in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. He says this, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And we see it again in, in Luke 14. We see this similar passage. And, and, you know, just to explain why, you know, sometimes I'll say, you know, this one's in Matthew and Luke and this is in Mark. Or these are called the synoptic gospels. There's three gospels um, in the New Testament. The first three books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're what we call the synoptic gospels. Um, all the gospels include John. But one of the things that's interesting is that the, the, the first three books chronicle over time, they chronicle the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, of course, which is the basis of our salvation. See, the Gospel of Matthew, right, was written by Matthew, the apostle, who's one of the 12 that was commissioned by Jesus, okay? And then we have the Gospel of Mark, which was written by John Mark, who was a close associate of Peter, 
the apostle Peter, good friend of Peter. And then you've got the gospel of Luke, which was written by Luke, a physician and a friend and traveling companion of the apostle Paul. So some of us don't, maybe don't know what those gospels are, where they come from. Um, the first three gospels, of course, are the synoptic gospels because they see what synoptic means is see together with a common view. Right? So they see together with a common view, and it literally means, synoptic means together sight. Okay? And we're talking about synergy, and I thought it was good to go, hey, let's, let's spend some time on the synoptic gospels for a together sight of what Jesus is so that we can together be like Jesus. Right? Together be like Jesus. See, in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they cover many of the same events in Jesus' life. Most of them actually are from Jesus' ministry in Galilee while he was there in much of the same order. Nearly 90% of Mark's content is found in Matthew. About 50% of Mark appears in Luke. All of the parables of Christ are found in the synoptic gospels. There are no parables in the book of John. Okay. Some of us don't know that. There's no parables in John? Yeah, there's no parables in John. John's a different author. He's an apostle of Jesus. Um, and um, and he's, he's writing um, a different type of story than the synoptic gospels. So um, just so that you guys are aware. So let's look at the one in Luke. Okay. So Luke, I'm going to read verses 25 through 23, but I highlighted the big, the big kind of hammer verses that I just love in this passage. It says, now great multitudes went with Jesus, went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, does not hate, you know, in the Greek, the word hate means hate. It means despise. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Thanks, Jesus. That's heavy. And, you know, when you read the Amplified, the classic Amplified version, because it'll kind of help provide you a little more context. The classic Amplified version talks about, like, like there, again, just like we sang with Yeshua, with my beloved, there is no, like the comparison between your love for your wife and your children and your father and your mother and even for yourself needs to look like hatred compared to your love for him. It's got to be miles different. It has to be on a different... This is Jesus talking. This isn't somebody trying to manipulate your emotions. This is Jesus talking. Jesus takes number one priority over all the other things. Okay. He said, then he follows this up with whoever, verse 27, that's on the screen. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. If you are not willing to go through the process of a crucifixion, if you are not willing to go through the process of a death, you cannot be my disciple. Words of Jesus. Verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, 
all who see it begin to mock. They're saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Like, count your cost. Can you win the battle? Right? So likewise, verse 33 on your screen. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, I've heard stories of people selling all of their goods when they came to know Jesus because they read something like that and they're like, I'm done. <laughs> like, all of it's gone. They took Jesus literally. Now, some of us haven't done that. But see, Jesus wants, to be set, wants us to be set apart for him to be made holy, set apart for him by denying ourselves and choosing to give up our lives for his sake. This is so against current Christian culture. We think we should have our cake and eat it too. We are the most entitled believers in the world right now. Now, there is, there is this reality of God wants to prosper you. God does want to pour blessing through you. He pours his blessing through open vessels. And some of us are struggling so hard to figure out, why, isn't I, why don't I have breakthrough? Why, do, why are these things? And he says, can you just give it all to me, please? Let me have it all. Will you take up your cross daily and follow me? Will you die to your flesh and die to yourself so that you can be fully set apart for me? Fully set apart for me. And we wander around trying to do this dance with Jesus. Trying to figure out how can I keep what I want and still serve Jesus? How can I still, like, I'm going to hang on to that ministry vision even though God told me to put it down a while ago. I'm going to continue to hang on to what I think my finances should look like. Instead of just letting God have your finances. Instead of saying, God, you know, we're stewards. It's all from Him. Right? We say, God... It'll never be mine. It'll always be yours. When it comes to money, it'll never be mine. It's always his, right? I don't care how, if you got 10 cents, it's his. You got, you got $20, it's his. You got 2,000, you got 2 million, it's his. It's his. It doesn't matter how much, it's his. Okay, I got one yes, amen, hallelujah. All right, now, this reality is that we have to remember that if we don't forsake all that we have, we can't be a disciple. You can't run around. I'm just going to use this herb air salt here for a second. You can't run around saying, I really want this, God. I really want this, God. Will you give this to me, God? Will you give this to me, God? And, we're, and our hands are clenched around what we think it is. And he's like, can you let go of that thing? Because I got something way better for you. I've got some whole other flavor for you than herb amir, which I like herb salt, right? Herb sea salt's good. 
whatever it is. The point being, we have to be willing to give it all to him, to forsake all. Let it go. Let it go. Do you want revival? God's, God wants a holy people that are willing to let go of all the, all the other things that we've hung on to. He wants a people who are wildly set apart for him. Wildly set apart. Jesus says that it is in him where all the abundant life is. Right? And we see this in John 10. Famous passage, John 10. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Say, I'll be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. But he says, if I don't forsake all, I can't be a disciple. If I don't die to my flesh, if I don't crucify my flesh with its passions and desires, I can't be a disciple. But then he says, actually, I came so you can have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. If you can't forsake the things that hold your heart now, you don't get to act like you have an abundant life. You, you don't get to be entitled to abundance when you won't give up the things that you already have. I don't know. I feel like I got some fire in my bones this morning. Okay, and, and let me tell you, this, this, this wishy-washy compromised church is breaking my heart. It, it is breaking my heart. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying all of us, Pamela, okay. But, but, but like some of us actually do need to have an honest assessment, okay? We need to have an honest assessment, a self-assessment. Have I forsaken all? Have I given all to Jesus? Because I keep wanting to claim abundance, but I won't give them everything. Now, I believe, I love it. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. <laughs> I got your back. I'm the good shepherd, right? The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, right? Which he did for us, right? So I believe that there are moments where our faith and our ability to know, hear, and believe God our faith, our ability to know, hear, and believe God, they come in contact with the presence of God. This is cool. So our faith actually meets up with the presence of God. And let me just tell you, and maybe you felt it in the worship, but he is here today. Many of you have longed to be free, to see God shift you, change you, but there are areas of your life that you've been held back from. God has grabbed me several times in my life. The first was as an alcoholic porn addict who was a failure as a father and in every aspect of life. There was not a single aspect of life that I'm like, I'm a success. None. None. Other than failure. Have <laughs> you succeeded at failure? Okay. <laughs> right? And I got it down. 
um, and, and I can laugh about it because guess what? God's, God has changed and shifted and moved things, right? Amen. And so he got a hold of me and I've, I've told my story here many times, but there was a couple of years ago where he grabbed me because I was wrapped up in trying to find the approval of men, trying to figure out how to build something. The other pastor laughs. <laughs> Performing for God. I was seeking to find my place in my value. And guess what? I was always falling desperately short. See, God got a hold of me. In that season, Meek and I, when we took our leave of absence, during that season, God got our hearts more than he ever had. And we forsook all. So God, you can have our house. You can have Harvest Valley. You can have the practice. You can have the business. You can have it all. We laid everything on the line before the Lord. 100% of everything. Our children, everything was on the line. And uh, God's gracious. So we just waited. Let him do that healing work in us because we had to let go. We had great stewards willing to take care of the house while we were away. In that season, God transformed us. And we just said, mm, the, the only thing that I really have to give anymore is my yes. That's all I've got. He's got it all. The only thing I can give him is my yes and my obedience. So I just got to listen and obey. Paul amazingly was able to write these words. And I, I don't even know, like, I, I wish I, I'm able to, to, to proclaim this daily for myself. I wish I, I, wish I was there, but I, I think it's just such a model for us to strive to come to a place where we can say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives me in the life that I live. In the flesh, now I live in the flesh. I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now let the Holy Spirit speak to you about your life and what you're laying down today. What you're laying down lately. See, he wants it all. He wants it all. We'll have a moment to activate that in just a moment. Um, but I want to just say God wants everything, okay? Two reasons why God wants everything. The first one, he wants to abide in you as a free son and daughter. He wants to give you complete freedom. He doesn't want you bound to anything, which is why he's like, you better hate that stuff, right? right? He doesn't want anything to have a higher priority or anything in his world. And of course, in American Christianity, we kind of mix it up with a bunch of other stuff. But he wants you to be completely filled with his love, his light, and his life. And he will fill you. He will satisfy you. He will produce life and hope in you regardless of circumstances. Because you're a son and a daughter that abide in him. This is where real life is found. In him. This is where the abundance is. Now, we see this in Romans 8, 13 through 17. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to the, de the death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. Now, the second reason why God wants everything is because his divine purpose is that you are free so that you can represent him well. He wants you set apart so that those who are bound can be set free. We know that, that this is his command, right? Mark 16 he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Don't do that here, please. Uh, my wife will not like you. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay. So God wants everything, and he does it with a purpose. He wants you to be salt. He wants everything so that you can be salt. God wants you to be salty. So I brought up some salt. We got lots of different kinds of salt here. Uh, these are, fi these are uh, finishing salts, French finishing salts um, that go on a nice steak. Okay. Um, here I've got uh, uh, a Mongold finishing salt. I've got, of course, vintage Merlot gourmet sea salt flavored like Merlot. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. There you go. And I have uh, actually um, finishing salt that was mined out of a volcano. Ooh. Um, here, I've got Turkish black pyramid salt. Uh, of course, we got our Himalayan. Himalayan. Um, oh, oh, the black truffle gourmet sea salt. This was a Father's Day gift last year, and I'm, I'm about halfway through it. All right, hallelujah. Uh, let's see, some more finishing salt. This is really thick, uh, um, really thick um, like rock salt for finishing. Oh, just beautiful. Um, some more. Um, uh, this is Italian savory black truffle salt. And then I've got our regular sea salt here. This is actually Irish sea salt. Um, that's my jam, she says. All right. Um, and then I've got herbed sea salt, natural fine sea salt infused with organic herbs and vegetables. This is one of our favorites at our house. Okay, you don't want to buy it in town. It's too expensive. Go down to Pilgrim's in Coeur d'Alene if you want the herb. Okay. So I, 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 we're going to make a point here. I'm actually going to get to the point of the salt. I love that we're doing communion today because guess this is the body. Oh, wait, wait. This is his body. Who are you? You were his body. Do you know you're supposed to have some flavor? 
You're supposed to have some flavor. We see Jesus talk about salt specifically, and I love this. The conversation about salt comes directly on the heels of Jesus saying, if you don't hate your father and mother, if you don't hate your, your, your wife and your children, if you don't even hate yourself. You, he, he's like, you got to get rid of everything. If you're not willing to forsake all to follow me, then you're not worthy of being my disciple. And then he says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, um, old school salt back in their day, you could find salt like this, um, but it was actually really rare. And so what they had was a rock, large rocks that had salt that were salty. Okay, and they would use these salt rocks Rocks to flavor their food. So they do a pot of soup. They put the big rock in there. And then once, once all, the, all the salt was out of it, it was tasteless. It just, it's not good for anything. So they throw it out and they use it. Actually throw it out in the roads and, and people trample under it. Now, there's flavor in the rock. See, Jesus often made the point that our holiness, our set-apartness, was the flavor that the world would taste from our lives. Our holiness is the flavor that the world tastes from our lives. Our holiness is the flavor the world tastes from our lives. Or you're just another nice person. That's great. I don't want to be just, a, I want to be nice. I don't want to be just any nice person. I want to represent Jesus. So today, you know, after spending hours on Google to figure out, can salt, can this kind of salt lose its flavor? It's not a rock salt, like, is this site kind of salt? And it actually can. It was really interesting. Um, it can lose its flavor when it is exposed to certain conditions or you add additives to it. Come on, tell me that doesn't preach, okay? The, even, the, even the regular salt can lose its flavor when you add other things to it. Whew. That's good. All right, so the Apostle Paul also talks about salt. Right? And um, oh, there's that Luke 14. And then Colossians 4, 5 and 6. He says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. See, do you know what's funny is that what comes out of our mouth is actually what's in our heart. Right? So when people talk foolishness, it's because they have foolishness in their heart. When they speak lies, it's because there's lies in their heart. Come on now. <laughs> right? Right? Like that's just the reality. Now there's mistakes and whatever, but you know what I'm saying. 
The point being that God is asking for all of who we are so that we can know him, so that we can walk in wisdom, so that we can speak the truth in love, right? Let me just say this. Because we've received the love of the Father and we have complete forgiveness of all of our sins being made by the blood of Jesus as we come into relationship with God, we are able to love others freely. We are able to give away all that God has given us. And this now becomes your life as a, let's say, a a salt shaker. You get poured out. As you come around people and you choose holiness and you can love on people well, you just put a little more salt out there. Sooner or later, people just begin to walk around and go, this place tastes salty. People begin to recognize the flavor of Jesus when they come around you. They begin to understand that there is something radically different about you because you fell in love with the God of the universe who has saved you and you chose to forsake all for him. Do you know, when you're kind of half in, half out, nobody really wants to be around you anyways. But man, people love it when you're on fire. Tell me more. Tell me another story. What happened? How did that go? See, the way that we love people and serve people and witness to people through the love of God is how the flavor of God gets into a community. How we love as the body, we have to be salty. We got to have some seasoning, some flavor. And this is really cool to me because I look and I go, okay, well, here's some Anna Lee, okay? Anna Lee's in the body. I'm going to put some Anna Lee in there, which is great. And then um, we've got uh, Richard Miner, who's definitely the Turkish black pyramid salt. Okay. So we got Richard, you know, we're going to pour a little bit of that in there. And we're adding flavor. And because it's synergy, right? We do it together. We all get to kind of come together and go, oh, this one is really cool. I mean, like, I kind of want to taste all these. This is really great. This is the Mongold. Okay, that's Pamela right there, the Mongold. We're going to pour Pamela out a little bit. Um, and then, uh, of course, you know, I'm going to go with the vintage Merlot Gourmet Sea, Paul Edwards Gourmet Sea Salt. Okay. So Paul's right here, you know. Guys, we all bring flavor in the body. We're all bringing salt to the table. We're all pouring our lives out through the love of Jesus in a way that the body has flavor. We have to remind ourselves of this simple truth. If the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. Dennis, can you come up here? I'm just going to put you on, 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 a, on a very quick assignment with me. I'm not taking your money this time. Last time he came up here, I took $100 off him. <laughs> but it was my 100 anyway, so whatever. <laughs> I'm super salty, okay? 
This is me. Super salty. Okay, but Dennis is struggling with his flavor. He's having a hard time. <laughs> I picked the wrong person. I'm so sorry. I need to. <laughs> but the reality is, like, if he's losing flavor, guess what? Okay, you know what? Let's do it together. And then we're going to find your flavor again. Maybe we need to pray through the thing that you're struggling with that's taking up that additive, the thing that you've added, right? Because you, you, you brought in something into your life that wasn't part of the salt. Maybe, maybe you need someone to come alongside and pray with you and come alongside you so that you can be free. Amen? Amen. This is synergy. We're going to take territory here because we choose to live holy and be salty. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dennis. Give him a hand. Um, Of course, this all brings us to the main point of all these things. It's the love of Christ that compels us. We are motivated by love to be holy. We're motivated by love to be holy. We choose to be salty because we love So I'm going to read this whole passage of 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17 for you. It says, for the love of Christ compels us because we just judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I'm going to read it again because I think some of us were just like, like, wow, that all fits. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. I don't have the privilege of considering my my good friend, Ben. I'm going to point to Ben. I, I don't have the opportunity to consider Ben, who's a good friend, I don't regard him according to the flesh anymore. I actually get to regard him according to who God says he is, according to the spirit. I actually go, you know, he looks like some Italian black truffle sea salt. He's got flavor. He's got some flavor. So I'm, I'm going to regard him according to spirit, not flesh anymore. Because if I regard him according to the flesh, I'll always try to remind him of what he tastes like without the salt. And, and when, he, when he's lost his flavor for a moment, I got to say, hey, we need to get that black truffle Italian sea salt started up again here. I want to I get some more flavor. Because we're regarding each other according to spirit, not just according to the flesh. But it is the love of Christ that compels us. It drives us. He says, even though, right, 
See, Paul, Paul writes, you know, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, he came in the flesh, he lived in the flesh, yet now we don't know him that way anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. All right, will you stand with me? Let's be kind of close out our time today. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you've made us salty. We're so grateful that you've asked for everything. I thank you that I can give everything to you and walk away full and complete. I can give everything to you and enter into your joy. I can give everything to you and walk in the freedom and the power that you set me free for. And Father, I am so grateful We all here are grateful for the cross. We are grateful for the blood that was shed that gives us access into this grace. I thank you that holiness is not just an act of performing to try and prove something. It comes out of a depth of surrender. So we give it all to you today. We surrender. Today's another day, another opportunity for you to come before Christ and to lay something down. You know, he's so good. He peels the onion, (laughs) takes off the layers. You're like, I've laid it down three weeks ago. Guess what? You might have something else now. But the beautiful part of that is it's for your freedom. No shame or condemnation is so that you can be free. So, Father, I ask that if there be anything in this room anyone is holding on to, any attachments that they have put above you, Father, will you just reveal that to them so that they can give that to you and surrender it all to you, God? Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have empowered your people for holiness. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and fill your people and do an internal work that only you can do, Holy Spirit. Change our want to, change our desires. Come and fill us, rest on us so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. I think some of you have been in a place where you've been riding a fence. You've been on both sides of the fence, even with God. You've tried hard, but it's never really worked out because your own efforts won't do it. And I I believe that, that if you've been on the fence, God is asking for you to surrender. He's asking for you to give it. It's like the gateway into the freedom that comes in the kingdom of heaven is surrender. It's, it's the starting point of abundance is surrender. The starting point of a life in Christ is surrender. 
So if you've been on the fence in any area and there is no shame, there is no condemnation around this at all. I don't know how many times I've had to come to the Lord because I've been on the fence in some areas of my own life. So there's, there's no shame or condemnation, but we want to pray with you this morning. We want to come into agreement with you. We want to believe God on your behalf for your breakthroughs in every single area where you have felt like you've been a double-minded person. We are just saying today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where, where you are no longer double-minded, but you can give yourself wholly and completely in every part of your life to Jesus. If that's been you in any way, shape, or form, just come up and we're going to pray for you. If there's been any double-mindedness, come on up. The Lord wants to touch you, move in you. I'm going to ask Nathaniel to come pray as well. Awesome. Of course, Dennis and Colleen, come on up. Kevin, hallelujah. Yeah, any, any come on. See, so there is no judgment here because we are in Christ. Amen. We are in Christ. There's no shame or condemnation. We all have to get to the place where God is calling us to be. So we just thank you, Jesus, for breakthroughs and breakthroughs and breakthroughs. We just say that there is an absolute breaking off of any duplicity that has been in our lives. Any places, God, where we have not fully surrendered, we come to you now and we give it to you now in Jesus' mighty name. Teams, just go ahead and just start laying hands and ministering. Thank you. Thank you. If anybody needs oil, I've got oil available. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord.
God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go be salty, will you? Be salty. Be, the, be the, the flavor of Jesus as you live holy and as you witness to people, as you love on people. Let them know this is Jesus. You're not just another nice person. Bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.